0: The word of the Lord from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. And the angel departed from her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I have a feeling that this last week of Advent is going to fly by quickly, so we better get to it. Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. Those are the first words of Gabriel to Mary, a young virgin who lives in out of the way Nazareth and is presently betrothed to be married. Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you, says the angel. And Mary is troubled by what she hears. That should get your attention for a couple of reasons. First off, the text doesn't say that she's troubled by what she sees, and she's looking at an angel who spends his time standing in the presence of God. When angels appear in Scripture, people tend either to fall flat on their face in fear, or else they try to worship the angels and end up with an angelic rebuke. They do this because of what they see. But not Mary— Whatever she thinks of a messenger from heaven standing in her living room, she's more troubled by what she hears. This brings us to the second thing, because it points us to the words. What is it about the greeting that should be troubling to Mary? Listen to it again Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Well, greetings doesn't sound all that threatening. If Gabriel appeared and said, Woe to you, or three, two, one, that that would be disconcerting. But greetings, that's hardly threatening. In fact, the word in Greek isn't greetings at all. The word is actually rejoice. An angel telling Mary to rejoice? That's not troubling. Maybe it's the next part then. Greetings, O favored One. But it's hard to make it sound threatening when an angel says that God favors you. It's far different from an angel appearing to announce, I'm here to pour out wrath or chew gum and I'm all out of gum. Personally, I am super okay with God saying that he favors me. So it's not the greetings part or the oh favored one part. And that leaves the last part. The Lord is with you. But should that be a troubling thing? I mean, I'm a messenger, so according to the Greek, that makes me an angelus or an angel, although I'm not a heavenly creature. And three times during this very service, I say to you, the Lord be with you, or the Lord is with you, and you respond, and with thy spirit, not... Well, that's disturbing. So what would be troubling about Gabriel saying to Mary... The Lord is with you. How about this? Gabriel is making a statement of location. In other words, the angel is not using this as a what's up or how's it going kind of salutation. He's saying that the Lord himself is present in the room. Well, sure, you might think God is present everywhere. So, of course, he's there. But that's not what I mean. When we speak about the presence of God, we don't mean his omnipresence. We mean located presence. We mean that God is there in such a way that you can point at him and say, there he is, there's God. So if you're Mary living in Nazareth of Galilee, you know where God is located and findable. That would be the most holy place of the temple in Jerusalem way down south. People point at the temple and say, that's where God is present with us. Nobody points to a poor virgin studio apartment up in Nazareth and says, that's where God is hanging out these days. No one, apparently, except an angel who stands in the presence of God. Gabriel looks at Mary in Nazareth and says, rejoice, you are so favored that the Lord is located and findable Here with you I mean of all the things Gabriel says to Mary That's got the potential to be the most troubling Because for a good devout Jewish girl like Mary It's going to lead to the next obvious question If God is findable here with me Then where exactly is he located? So Gabriel tells her where And it's one of the most mind-blowing statements in all of Scripture. The angel repeats, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Then he goes on to say, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. So that's how and where God is with Mary. He's to be a baby in her womb. By the work of the Holy Spirit, Mary is going to bear a son who is called Jesus and the Son of the Most High, which means that she is going to give birth to the Son of God. This isn't some spontaneous thing either on God's part. It's been in the works from before the foundation of the world. You heard one milestone in the Old Testament lesson from 2 Samuel 7. King David wanted to build a temple for God to move God out of the tabernacle and into a house. And God effectively said, You're not going to build me a house, but I'll make you a house a descendant of yours will reign forever. So David didn't build the temple. His son Solomon did. And when the temple was completed and consecrated, the Lord overshadowed the temple in a cloud and entered into the most holy place. Now, says Gabriel, Mary, a descendant of David, will carry God's son to term and he will reign forever and ever. When Mary asks how this can be, she being a virgin and all, the angel declares that the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Just as he once overshadowed Solomon's temple in a cloud of glory and dwelt in the Most Holy Place, now the Most High will overshadow Mary and dwell in her womb put it all together, and Mary is the temple for the next nine months because the Lord is with her. He's located there in her belly. If you think that the baby in the manger is a mind-blowing incarnation, consider that before that, up in Nazareth, the omnipotent, omniscient creator of heaven and earth is briefly a two-celled zygote implanting in her womb. Now, if you ask me, Mary should be more troubled than ever at this point. She's favored, sure, but it shouldn't be surprising that whoever God favors could have a rough time in this world. Mary doesn't seem troubled anymore, though. Instead, she's submissive and faithful. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord, she says. Let it be to me according to your word. The angel departs from her, leaving God's promises fresh in her ears, but nothing else to prove that this is all God's doing. Mary will be living by faith. I mean, just imagine the conversation the next time she sees Joseph, her betrothed, when he asks her how she's doing and she responds, Oh, you know, just fine. An angel visited me today and told me that I'm pregnant, but... You don't have to worry that I've been unfaithful because my unborn child is the incarnate son of the Most High. Joseph doesn't believe her until an angel pays him a visit too. You wouldn't believe her either. Now, if this is to be a halfway decent Lutheran sermon, I'm supposed to apply this text in terms of law and gospel, sin and grace, repentance and forgiveness, There may not seem to be a lot for that here, but there's something tremendously big in this story. See, a lot of people are okay with the idea of a God who operates out there somewhere, the sort who had a hand in creation of all things and now sits back and lets us figure out things for ourselves. Research shows that people like a distant God who they can ignore most of the time, but call on in times of trouble, and then blame when things go bad. The idea, though, that God would come into the world and become man, that's too much. I don't know if it's because it seems far too humble a thing for God to do, or if it gives people the heebie-jeebies that God would draw so near, or if it breaks too many laws of physics that the creator of all things becomes an infant. Whatever the reason, A lot of folks are okay with the idea of God, but they're not okay with the idea of an incarnate God. To be fair, you've got to admit that when you think about God, you probably don't think about, say, an embryo like you see in an ultrasound. That's not who or where you expect God to be. And needless to say... You shouldn't expect to find God hanging on a cross either. But never forget or take for granted that that's why he becomes flesh, to take away your sins by dying in your place. Mary is the temple who carries Jesus until he is born. Then his body is the temple who is destroyed, and in three days he raises it up again. Why? Why? To be with you forever. As I mentioned before, three times during the service, the called and ordained very human angel here repeats Gabriel's words and says, The Lord be with you. The first time, at least during Advent, is just after the Kyrie and before the Collect of the Day. You've just sung, Lord have mercy upon us. Which is what the sick would cry out to Jesus when he was there with them. Since he's just as present with you in his means of grace, I get to tell you that the Lord is with you. Rejoicing in that, then we pray the collect of the day, confident that God doesn't just hear our prayer, but he delights to hear our prayer because for Jesus' sake, we are his children. I say it again, just before Holy Communion, when Gabriel said it, Jesus was about to be present in Mary's womb, body, blood, and all. The same Jesus comes to you in with an under bread and wine, body, blood, and all. See, there in the supper, the Lord is with you as much as he was with Mary. Mary. I say it a third time after the sacrament of the altar, just before you depart. See, you're now a temple too. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, for you are bought with the price of Jesus' own blood. Therefore, glorify God with your body. By the way, each time I say that, you respond with and with thy spirit. That's called the little ordination. And to paraphrase it, it's to say to me, Christ is with us in his means of grace, so, pastor, you better be about dispensing the means of grace like you're called to do. I try to take that seriously every time you say it. In fact, God grant that we all do not take for granted the wonder that he keeps his promises and becomes flesh, Conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary to be our Savior. The Son of the Most High is in Mary's womb and on the cross for you so that he might be with you and so that you might be with him in his kingdom forever. Rejoice, favored ones. The Lord is with you.